0: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 134. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it.
1: People aren't perfect, but systems are perfect. You can create some sort of perfect system.
0: Hey, hey, veggie lovers, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. I have a super fun conversation with Sarah Tugender. She is actually the daughter of Dr. Daniel Witowski, who is an OB-GYN who was also on the podcast way back. On episode number 32. That was April 29th of 2018. And he has some really great pearls of wisdom on that episode. So if you haven't listened to that and you want to hear from a plant-based obstetrician gynecologist, check out episode 32. But this episode is with his daughter and it's really fun, really different. You're going to get some great tips. Before I tell you more about Sarah, I want to remind you, and especially if you're a new listener to the show, that you can find lots of great free resources on my website, dryami.com forward slash free. That's spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com forward slash free. Now there, you're going to find guides on replacing meat, replacing dairy, breakfast, lunch, and dinner ideas, nutrients of concern. So if you're wondering what you may want to consider supplementing on a plant-based diet, a plant-based shopping list. And for those of you that are interested in sustainability and being more eco-friendly, a zero waste swap list. So check that out, dryami.com forward slash free. Thank you to all of you that have read my book and left me a review on Amazon, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. And of course, thank you, loyal listener, for coming back week after week to listen to these episodes. Leave me reviews on Apple iTunes. I appreciate you so much. I want to read a five-star review left on Apple iTunes podcast by Dr. Jasmol. It is entitled Great Host and Guests. This podcast highlights wonderful guests and disseminates such important news in an easy, accessible podcast. Congrats. Thank you so much for that review. And thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review and for sharing my podcast. I really appreciate it. Just a reminder that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment by a healthcare professional. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a doctor. Okay. So let's talk about Sarah Tugender. So as you know, Sarah grew up around hospital and healthcare practices. She was born when her dad was a first year medical student at Tufts medical school. She remembers bringing her dolls to the break room at Sinai hospital where her dad was a resident to get it stitched up with real stitches. She sipped on apple juice and nibbled on saltine crackers in the call room at the hospital where her dad worked. After graduating from college at Boston University with a marketing and advertising degree, it was a natural partnership for Sarah to help her dad with those services at his practice. Facebook was born during Sarah's first year of college. She has been immersed in the evolution of social media and the revolution of communication within the business world. For 15 years, Sarah has used her passion for health with her drive to free up space in practitioner schedules to create processes and systems for healthcare practices. This frees up space in the Their schedule so they don't have to burn the candle at both ends and can avoid the burnout that is prevalent in the industry. She travels up to a dozen times a year to speak on stages across the country. Her messages include living according to your priorities, incorporating business strategies that work for your network and leveraging the power of social media. Sarah has personally built two online communities to more than 15,000 people. This has been leverage she's used to spend time with her husband, Dan and three children, Ella Brody and Duke Sarah and her family live on Boston's North shore where they live a plant-based lifestyle and take advantage of all new England has to offer. So in this, episode, Sarah and I talk about her plant-based journey. It's such a wonderful story about how her and her entire family, she has a lot of siblings, a big family, all went plant-based after her dad read the China study on a plane trip. So cool. And she was able to encourage her fiance to do it as well. Sounds like it was pretty easy. She talked about how they were able to raise their children plant-based, how she is able to work full-time as a busy professional, but also provide her children with health-promoting foods. We talk about her routine. We talk about private practices and why there might be less of them, but why they're important, why healthcare professionals and just working people, working parents in general, why they struggle so much to lead these balanced lives with their career and their family and their hobbies She gives great advice for working moms. She talks about what she's most passionate about at work, what she wishes more moms knew, which is golden. I love it. And of course, her personal habit she's most proud of, and she leaves us with a really great call to action. I think this episode is going to be especially helpful for working moms or moms out there that are trying to do it all. There is really important messages for you. I know because I've been there and I tried to do that. And guess what? We don't have to. And when we do try to do everything, it's not good for us or our children. So I think that Sarah has some really great advice for us. She has wonderful experience so far, raising her three kids. And I just love how she's approaching life. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And now on to the conversation between me and Sarah Tugender. Hello, Sarah Tugender. Thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio.
1: Thank you. This is almost like a dream come true. I was looking through some of the other guests you've had, and I am humbled with the company (laughs) that I'm in right now. So thank you. Well, this is really cool because I feel like I'm going to have this trend
0: of interviewing like all the family members of one family, as you know, I've interviewed your father, who is an OB/GYN, Dr. Witowski and he's awesome. And now I get to interview you. And we before we got on the, you know, started recording, we we're talking about how awesome your parents are. Was oh, it great. just so cool growing up with them? Uh,
1: I no, I mean, is it ever? And yes and no. I mean, my whole <laughs> mom's not going to listen. I'm totally but... going to send them this recording. I'm uh... <laughs> Busted. I mean, (laughs) does anyone ever say like, it's so cool. And you have to remember, Dr. Yami, that I was 14 when my youngest brother was born. I'm the oldest of six. And so I was a freshman in high school. I went to a brand new high school. David was born in October. So that was a really interesting way to make new friends. Yes. You
0: know, I hear that that's hard when you're a teenager and you get a, a baby sibling because I joke around with my kids all the time. So mine are 11 and 15. I'm like, oh, you guys sure? They're both boys. You guys sure you don't want a baby
1: sister? And they're like, no. And I'm like, no. are you sure? They're like, no. <laughs> now, you understand at that point, like how that happened and that freaks you out. like. <laughs> that is so- Yeah. And then your friends ask you, like, you know how that happened, right? It's just, it's a really awkward cafeteria conversation.
0: I love it. So I guess otherwise kids assume that parents aren't doing that, huh? Unless they get pregnant. No.
1: love it. Parents
0: don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. All right. Well, let's talk about your plant-based journey. How old were you when you were introduced to plant-based nutrition? How did all
1: this come about in your life? Yeah, I was 24 and my mom called me and said, your dad just read the China study on an airplane and we're all going (laughs) vegetarian. And I said, okay. And I was engaged Uh, To my husband, I called him and I said, my mom just called me and we're all going vegetarian. And my husband said, okay. And that's what most people ask me when I tell them that I'm plant-based and especially because it was right around the time that I got married, they'll say, and even Dan, my, my husband has the same name as my dad, so, <laughs> when I say Dan, that's usually my husband that I'm talking about, not my dad. Um, and so they'll say, even Dan. And I, I say, of course. Yeah, we're all plant based. Uh, and that year was the year that a lot of our other friends were getting married. And so that was a really interesting journey because they were testing us a little bit and how committed are you? And, you know, and, and we were some of the first to have requested vegan meals. And now that's like, you have to have vegan options at a wedding. You have to have vegan options at a party. And we were like the first who, no one ever knew anyone who was plant-based or vegan or whatever they wanted to call us.
0: Wow. So yeah, you had to do a lot of explaining, even though, you know, it kind of depends too where, what part of the country you are now, whether people know about it or not, but definitely the bigger cities where you're at, I'm sure there's plenty of options everywhere. So you said, okay. I mean, did you guys talk sit down and talk about it did you feel that you needed more explanation about it what what were you yeah, curious about i have more about?
1: questions just like what are the rules what do we have to do what do we you know it it always seems like a big journey and adventure and if you're a Witkowski or you've spent any time with the Witkowskis my parents we just do everything together on moss it's just the way that it is it's so much fun Uh, It is so hard to find dinner reservations out as the family just keeps expanding and (laughs) everyone has boyfriends and girlfriends and significant others. And I have three children of my own, Um, but it is a lot of fun. So yeah, we had a lot of questions. Dad encouraged us all to read the book, which I read most of all of his books. I'm always skimming books that he's bringing home. We're exchanging books and I found that I loved it. I I love to cook anyways. So that was one thing that was really simple for me to be able to cook. And I felt so good. And if Mm -hmm. I hadn't felt so good, it probably wouldn't have been as easy for me. But because Mm -hmm. I did feel so good, because my skin was clearing up, I had struggled with cystic acne all throughout my teenage years, like really embarrassing acne. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I ended up, you know, being the same weight, but being a different pant size. Mm. And that was a huge change for me and just really simple swaps and eating habits. And uh, that's motivating, especially for a young woman who's about to get married, who's having her friends all getting married. And I just found I, Looked the best and felt the best than I ever had, so I was on board, hundred percent. That's so cool.
0: And at the time, you were you in
1: graduate school or had you already finished all of your education? I already finished my education, uh, so I was in the workforce at that time. Um, I was actually working in the restaurant industry, which was so funny, mm-hmm. selling advertising uh, in the heart of New York City as well. So talk wow. about you know being in a city that it is really conducive to being able to eat Um, plant-based. And I knew my company was based out of uh, a rural rural suburb in Chicago. And um, it was so hard when I would have to go into the office for training classes because you're right, it is not the same. And I since then, I've done a ton of traveling with my position and with my consulting work. Uh, And there's some cities that I go to Uh, And it is like a food desert. It feels like Mm -hmm. that. I can think Mm -hmm. of three or four trips I went on where I said, I can make anything work. And um, that's not always the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's here or there. You know, I've been plant-based. It'll be 10 years this coming summer, 2021. And there was one place that I went, it was New Orleans. I've told this story more than once, where this one restaurant, they refused to make anything that was plant based. Like they I guess the, the chef kind of had a little bit of an attitude problem. And so I was just left with literally like this tiny side dish of like pickled cucumbers and onions. That was it. That was my meal. That was all that he was willing to make <laughs> that didn't have bacon. <laughs> Cuz wow. it was
1: crazy. So, it well, does I think happen to not but- you. So I was in Indianapolis. And I was doing a three day course where I was one of two trainers. So from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., I was on a stage 50% of the time. And you speak, so you understand how many calories go out oh, and how exhausting yes. that is. You and I'm so get, hungry. I go back to the green room for lunch, and they gave me two pieces of steamed carrots and two pieces of steamed broccoli on a plate, no rice like no beans, nothing else, like not even a side salad, which like sometimes they'll do that. Like it was just some steamed vegetables and like only four, like four pieces. They thought you were like a two pound rabbit
0: or something. (laughs) Not like a human. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. Poor thing. Okay, so you discovered this before you were married, you get married, and then obviously you're having some kids. So what was the conversation like with your husband about how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to go about that? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, it's funny throughout the years, he's actually been the one that's like, you know what, Sarah, we've got to rein it in on the kids snacks. And, you know, we got to make sure we have more apples in the house. And um, so at the beginning, I mean, he leaves uh, the shopping and the meal planning and everything to me. And he is the best when it comes to being able to just follow a recipe and chalk things up. He is my favorite prep chef, sous chef uh, that's right alongside me. And uh, he, you know, if you give him a recipe, he's so good. Um, There was never any concern and he always had my back. Because there was definitely questions that I would have to go ahead and navigate. Like, how is Sarah doing this as she's pregnant? How is Sarah Mm -hmm. doing this as she's breastfeeding? How is this going to affect the baby? And um, I mean, when you have your dad, who's a plant-based obstetrician, gynecologist, you know, who's right there monitoring everything, giving me advice, watching my lab work. And I've always done really well. And it just goes to show, I mean, you can't just eat Oreos and spaghetti and, you know, sauce. You can't just eat like that and call it plant-based. You do Mm -hmm. need to eat all different colors, all different food groups And if you do that, and you understand food combinations, you'll stay healthy. You'll stay optimal. It's just a few different rules that you know we really needed to learn. Because you you always get the person that said, "Oh yeah," and in my twenties, I was vegan for a while. And you talk to them, and they say, "Well, I just mostly ate pasta," Uh, and that's not healthy. That's not what you and I talk about when we say we're plant based. When we talk about you know putting our health first. And so I really. Uh, appreciated that my husband was willing to like, learn those combinations. Or when I said, you know, we're gonna add some lentils to this dish, because I just think we need to, he was totally on board with it. Cool. And then
0: once you started having children, did you have any doubts? Or did you encounter any medical professionals that were like, you must give this
1: child milk at least? So I, my own pediatrician had a million questions for me, so many questions. And she would, she was like, and so what are they drinking now? And what are they eating now? And she'd, she'd listen and she'd write it down. And so one day I went in and I think, so Ella at that time, Ella's my oldest, she's seven now, she probably had just passed, maybe, maybe it was like that 18 month checkup. And I go in, my pediatrician says to me, Sarah. I drink almond milk now. We converted my pediatrician to a plant-based eater. I was wow. so proud of myself. And I would bring in studies. Um, Elo is really young, uh, really little, really petite. Now, I know this is a podcast, so I... I'm five, one and a half. And I really think that extra half makes a huge difference. And so I never was one that was very tall. My whole life, I was always very petite, but so is Ella. And Ella would be like 18%, 20% on the growth chart. Like she would always be really little. And my pediatrician would like, be maybe like a little concerned about it. And then I found one day online, a plant-based kids growth chart. I don't know, Dr. Yami, if you've ever seen one of these. I have never heard of this. The growth chart is different for plant-based kids. And Ella was totally normal on the plant-based growth chart. Uh, And she's absolutely fine now. And it's so funny because the two boys, I have a three and a half year old and an almost one year old. Oh my God, the one year old. He's like, 80% on the normal growth chart. And he doesn't need any different. Ella just got all my little petite jeans. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And this is one of my passions right now because you as a mother, you, you know, this already, you know, they all live in the same household. I offer them the same foods and they look different. Because they have a different set of genes, even with the same parents, we don't, we don't make little clones, you know? Mm. And so I love how you've already seen that and you're giving your children, you know, that ability to let their bodies do what they're going to do, but just continuing to offer them health promoting foods. That's so wonderful. And yeah, as a pediatrician, I feel like I've always respected that and helped parents because I think for the most part parents get more anxious than I do, especially for the little ones. Yeah, Some kids are going to be petite. I mean, that's just, that's how we make a normal curve. You know, like there's going to be some on this side, there's going to be some on this side and there's going to be a lot in the middle. And so reassuring parents that, you know, this is just how this child grows and they've always been on this trajectory and they're just going to be on the smaller side and that's okay. So that's great. But I definitely have to look up that plant-based growth chart. I wonder how that, was that based on a study that they did a... A lot of kids. I think I know. just
1: googled it. I don't even remember how I found it. Um, That's because cool. then with the boys, I didn't need to, the the boys were totally different. Chunka like yeah.
0: ate so everything you, in
1: sight. You didn't have to defend yourself at that no, point. No. So <laughs> and now I have a plant based pediatrician by accident. Awesome. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, good job. Congrats. Okay, well let's move on to the real world because just talking to you for a little bit. I can see you have lots of energy and you like doing a lot of different things. So you work as a full-time professional and you have three kids. So the oldest is seven. How old are the other ones? Three and a half. And then almost
1: one coming on that first birthday. So
0: fun. Okay. So how are you able
1: to juggle all this while feeding these kids and trying to keep them healthy? Um so I don't believe in balance. I believe in imbalance. That is one of the things. So juggling is never something I do. There's always something that's more like a scales, right? There's always mm-hmm. something that's going to take priority over something else. And in that, I think that you're always going to have a season. So mm-hmm. right now I'm in my season of Legos all over the floor. I'm in my season of never-ending laundry that that kids can't help me with, like your kids can fold and put away, you know, their own clothes might not be, you know, Marie Kondo effect, but it's, it's close. All right. Um, I'm in this season of, you know, my, my husband and I are doing everything. We're taking the burden of the household. So does that mean that we we get take out a little bit more because i need the help. We you know i'm going to go ahead and get the chopped up butternut squash if i want butternut squash soup then chopping it up myself because it's just not fun to wield a big giant knife with a slippery butternut <laughs> squash and a 1-year-old climbing up your leg. You know and so i'm in this season of trying to outsource where i can. And so, I am not juggling at all. I am absolutely not doing it all. And, I, you know, the the social media, what you see, what people post is never the truth. That's mm-hmm. never what anyone's doing. Um and it, it's such a cool world now that we live in being virtual because, there's a lot that no one really knows what's going on behind the scenes. Like Mm -hmm. no one needs to know if you're on a webinar and you have pajama pants still on, on the bottom and you're looking professional on top. Like it's such a great world where you can figure out where you are going to cut corners. And I think the person that tries to juggle, you know, you know, you watch any juggler and eventually they either get so tired, they have to stop or they drop a ball. And Mm -hmm. the only way to do that is to focus on the area that needs more attention. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be one kid that needs a little bit more attention. There's going to be one priority in the household that needs a little bit more attention. And that's where we put all of our focus. Okay. So
0: did... Did you figure this out naturally or did you learn this from somewhere? How did you come about this philosophy and how do you avoid the common mom guilt? I mean, you know how I feel like at the beginning of my parenting journey, my first one was born when I was in medical school and then moving on to residency, I always felt like I had to do everything. And when my mom tried to help me, I actually felt shame. Like I was like, no, I need, I should be able to do everything. So it took me a long time before I was finally like, okay with letting go and letting people help me and being able to make some of those decisions to make life feel a little smoother and not doing
1: everything. So I want to know how you came about this. Yeah, it's funny. I was born when my dad was in medical school, his first oh. year of medical school. He went to sit down for his first exam and he went up to the chalkboard and wrote Sarah Witkowski born October 16th, seven pounds, six oh. ounces like that. was. <laughs> then he sat down and took his first exam. I don't know how he did that, but um That must've been a crazy time for him as it was for you trying to juggle that all. But, you know, and I did see there were a lot of things he had to sacrifice and I watched that and I watched a lot of things that my parents throughout the years sacrificed for themselves and I learned and then later studied it and heard from other mentors, other people that I looked up to in online marketing professional development space. And I've always heard That when the parent sacrifices and they sacrifice something for themselves, it actually has a bigger detrimental effect on the kid Mm -hmm. and that kids don't want to see their parents sacrificing their own joy, their own thing. And the best thing you can do for kids is to show them that you are pursuing your passions. Mm -hmm. Show them that you're prioritizing yourself, your self-care, because the kids are going to do what you do, not what you say. You yes. have to show it to them. And I think nutrition, there's so much of nutrition that comes into this and that my kids aren't going to eat what I tell them to eat. They're going to eat what they see me eating. Yes. They're going to eat what they see in the cabinets. Um, They're going to work out and move. I love that you talk about movement in your book. I think your book has so many really great principles to it. Thank you. They're going to see that... I prioritize getting outside and taking a walk every day. And Mm -hmm. they know that that's what we do. Now, are they going to sometimes whine at me and say, Mom, we're watching TV. We just started this show. Like like every kid does, of course. But once we're halfway into it, they love it. And they're always so happy. And they know that I'll say, this is for mom. We're not doing this for you. This isn't your trip to the park. This isn't your trip to the... Trampoline park. This is mom's walk with you guys. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, and they they really appreciate that. I I do think that. And then I can equally respect when they say that they need something, and we know how to communicate that to each other. And I can say yes, you do. You need some quiet time. You need a trip to the park. You need a little extra cuddle or whatever they need right then. We can have such a great dialogue because they hear me saying the same thing.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I love that so much because you're teaching them how to express their desires, which I think is so important. And you're right. For a long time, we've had this habit as mothers and as parents, maybe of sacrificing everything for our kids and doing everything for our kids, but losing ourselves in the process, not having the joy. And what I like to say on this podcast to myself and to my friends is whenever we have joy, whenever we feel this authentic joy, we can spread it to other people so much more effectively than if we don't, you know, so it's really important to be able to have time for ourselves and not lose ourselves in the process of having children. And it doesn't mean you're going to be a bad mom whenever you do that. I think that's what a lot of people worry about, you know? So I love that you discovered this early on with your children being so young. I I love that so much. Well, tell me a little bit about your weekly routine. I know that it probably changes from season to season and depending on what's going on in your life, but what are
1: your go-to meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks? What is your life like? Yeah, um, I was making sure that I had groceries delivered on Mondays until my local grocery delivery place. You can't get a time on Mondays. It's huh. like 2020, Dr. Yami. Everyone learns the secret of uh, <laughs> online grocery delivery. Mm-hmm. I, I really thought it. I used to tell everyone. Now I'm a little mad that I told everyone to order their groceries on. <laughs> they took your time, huh? <laughs> drives me crazy. So that gets pushed off to Tuesdays, sometimes <laughs> Wednesdays, but... Um, I think that's a big thing. And I, I, what I love about online grocery delivering delivery service is that it's not like me walking up and down the aisles because we're, we're animals just like anyone, Mm -hmm. just like all the other animals. I take my kids to the zoo all the time and we look at the hippopotamus and we look at the giraffe and we look at the gorillas and we look at the lizards. And next to all those is the sign, right, about the animals. And then what does it say? It says, this animal's diet, and they'll tell you about the animal's diet. And that's what that animal eats. It doesn't mean that animal is on a diet like we hear humans talk about diets. That has like the word die in it, right? And I'm not trying to like restrict Mm -hmm. anything. I just, my little household has its own diet. And it might not look the same as my neighbor across the street or my college roommate, like it might all be a little different, but that's our diet. And when I go into my online shopping cart and my account, I can see everything I bought because I eat the same thing week after yeah. week after week. Breakfast is oats in some kind of form. Oh, some kind of form. We do just raw rolled oats in a oat bowl very similar to if you you're familiar with the engine two like rips bowl, we kind of just make our own. So we have all the toppings, whether it's coconut, my daughter likes coconut flakes, my son likes a little bit of peanut butter in his. Um, I like always blueberries, the kids they prefer for some odd reason, frozen blueberries, and they refuse to let me defrost them. They like them frozen. They like how they turn the milk blue. And we just put some milk in there. And it's It's a, it's a nut and seed and oat bowl, but for the kids, especially, and I am still breastfeeding. So it's still very heavy oats for me, which I find I love that source of calories. And once over the weekend, we'll make a plant-based pancake. Mm -hmm. So we'll pick a day and we have a pancake day. Otherwise we eat pretty much the same thing every single day. I mean, there's an occasional avocado toast thrown in there, but it's it's a rare occasion. At Lunch is typically leftovers because that's just the easiest thing to do. Uh, but for the kids, what I'll sometimes do is cut up like tofu squares for them. Um, they love that. I, they also, because I have little kids, the best thing for me is I have these placemats and you can either get Plates with all the different compartments for them, or they have these really nice placemats with all different compartments. And I just fill all the different compartments. So I'll do a little bit of black beans, a little bit of tofu. I'll try to find a vegetable. My kids will always eat edamame, they'll always eat broccoli they'll always eat cucumbers. Like those are my kids' favorite, favorite foods. In the summer, they'll always eat corn. So I'll just keep whatever they like always in the fridge. And then I try to do a fruit. And then maybe I'll do, you know, something that's a little more snack-like, like like a little veggie stick or something on Mm -hmm. there. Sometimes I have all the compartments and I let them pick and they're like, no, we want sliced up peppers and cucumbers and beans. And then there's no room, and they don't ask. They actually don't ask for the snack like food if they fill their plate Um, and they love filling up those little compartments. And for dinner, our go to's are we make homemade black bean veggie burgers. We make pad thai all the time. I love the um, happy herbivore her cookbook. Mm-hmm. I love their pad thai. We um make a lot of lentil loaf. The kids don't love lentil loaf as much, but they love all the sides and I typically I just put it on their plate and they will eventually eat the whole piece of lentil loaf even though every single time I make it they tell me they don't like lentil loaf. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> lots of rice bowls. Last night we made a rice bowl. And I actually didn't tell the kids I made farro instead of rice because I had farro and I just wanted something that was a little more autumn feel to it. Mm -hmm. And I made with it bok choy, roasted cauliflower, kombucha squash. I had some hummus, some roasted chickpeas, some tofu, some um, red cabbage, some red onion. We just like made a whole, some of the stuff we already had in the fridge, some of it we added to it. Both of my kids tried kombucha squash. One liked it, one didn't. One of my kids, he could not stop eating the roasted chickpeas. He ate the pretty much all of them. I had no leftovers. My <laughs> daughter, she ate the whole bowl of tofu. Like I let them pick what they want because I do believe their bodies know. And they're always trying things. I always have a salad. Both of my kids will eat salad with balsamic vinegar on it. That's wow. what they want as their salad dressing because they watched us. And one day they said, can I have a salad? And we never told them that three-year-olds don't eat salads. Like that, that is a bizarre thing to watch a three-year-old eat a side salad. And so they don't know any better. And uh, it's, it's so much fun to eat with them because we're all just eating off each other's plates and we're really sharing all meals together. And I like making it buffet family style at the table. That sounds delicious. I want to hang out in your house, be one of your kids. I want to get the, where did you get that placemat from? That sounds really cool. I'll have to find it. I actually was gifted to me as a friend, but I mean, you can find these things on Amazon. It's like a silicone, like placemat. Okay, cool. I'll I'll, I'll I'll send you it. I'll find one so I can put a link
0: for the listeners. That's really neat. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty easy. Are any of your kids, would you consider them, quote, picky or more selective? Both of
1: all, well, not the baby. The baby will just eat anything. But, um, but it is funny. Ella was asking me the other day because my my baby, the one year old, I thought all babies, Dr. Yami, loved bananas. Like he does not like bananas. What? What? I mean, like he's one. I thought you just give him like a banana, and they're happy. I've mashed (laughs) them. I've given it whole. He throws it on the ground. Like he will blueberries. I can't keep enough blueberries in the house. So, I mean, even at one years old, he's picky. Yeah. And like my kids, I would say the same thing. Like they're they're picky, but if I have their favorite foods and they're not what the neighbor's favorite foods are. Mm -hmm. So my kids don't know that like chicken nuggets and French fries are something that most Americans have in their freezer. They've never had a chicken nugget and French fry out of the freezer like that. They don't know that hot dogs and craft macaroni and cheese, they just don't even know. Like yeah. they, When they think of mac and cheese, they think of my homemade macaroni and cheese, gluten-free. I use like bonza pasta and it has mm-hmm. nutritional yeast in it. And sometimes if I'm fancy, I'll like mix some green peas in there with it. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's homemade. It, I can whip it up. I don't even need the recipe so easy for me to make. And, you know, I, I just know that my kids, that's what they like There's Sometimes I say, no, we can't have mac and cheese. Like I can't let them just eat. (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't say no, it's made of like red lentil pasta and all the good things. Like I should just let them eat it, but I'd rather have them eat, you know, uh, homemade veggie burger or, you know, make a variety for their diet, a rice bowl, something like that. That's a little bit more in its like natural form than a processed, even red lentil pasta. So uh, I even try to save those for like special occasions Mm -hmm. and change the narrative when it comes to celebrations. Like if a celebratory dinner is going to be, uh, my husband, he makes his own plant-based sushi. They love homemade sushi night and they get to help and We put in their steamed carrots and cucumbers and avocado. Uh, They just love sushi night at home. That sounds so
0: awesome. And you're right. I mean, kids learn to like what they're exposed to. So whenever you made the comment that it's not the same thing as the next door neighbors, you're right. I mean, even if you were to consider your kids a little selective, they're selective within a whole different group of foods, (laughs) you know, a health promoting food. So it's not anything to be concerned about overall. It sounds like they're just doing fantastic and it's so much fun. Okay. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your work, because I think that this is super interesting. So you yourself are not in healthcare, but you do work with healthcare professionals. You work with them and help them with their practices. And, you know, I'm a private practice pediatrician, and I feel like it's becoming more and more rare to find other physicians that have their own practices. You know, it is becoming more difficult. So tell me a little bit more about the work you do and what you think about it. Do you feel like private practice is a dying breed? I mean, is it eventually going to to be gone? I mean, what do you think?
1: Mm, that's really Really? That was an interesting question. Um, So I'll tell you what I do first. So I work with providers who are looking to scale, but they're looking to scale with ease. And that's what I help them do, create systems in their practice. So they're not burning the candle out at both ends. Mm -hmm. So they're able to really have a supporting, loving staff that can take them to the next level, whatever that might be whether it's to open up more clinics or stay at the same pace, but at less hours, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, because everyone has a different season and everyone is somewhere different with their own personal families. And so to have that balance. So some of my specialties are marketing, social media marketing, creating aligned referral systems, uh, being able to have reach and visibility and creating systems for that. So you you can't tell I'm very systematic with everything that I do. And I think that that is, you know, people aren't perfect, but systems are perfect. And if you can create some sort of perfect system. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that you ask is, is this a dying breed? And I, I think you're right that there's not as many private practitioners because the big hospital systems did get a lot better at negotiating, negotiating on a mass scale. They got a lot better at being able to be visible in communities. Um, And the private practitioner, a lot of them, you know, and I saw this firsthand from my dad's practice, you know, tried to do it all themselves, tried to not only be the doctor, but be the CEO tried to be the head of HR, the head of marketing, the head of everything. And without ever going through any marketing classes, any business classes, without having that exposure or studying that, I don't want my doctor to be the best at you know, getting the best open rate in emails because of their own efforts. I want them to know, you know, the latest virus that's out there and how to keep me and my family safe from it. And so I think everyone needs to really stay at what they're good at and then hire the best to be able to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's where I come in to really create those structures to make it so as a provider, you can do what you're so good at, what you went to school for, and then find people to help support you in all the other endeavors that you have to do. So I don't think, I I just think that the providers that are entrepreneurial are the ones who are surviving. Mm -hmm. And you don't go to medical school because you're entrepreneurial. You go to medical school because you're a healer, you're a helper. But then there's some providers like you, like my dad, like my clients who do have a little entrepreneurial streak, you know, in you and you're trying to do things like podcasting, writing books like you wrote. I mean, you're doing awesome, awesome things I, you know, there's so many providers that would love to do what you're doing, Dr. Yami, and they just don't know those steps in between to get there and it, so, that's where I can come in and be able to help because I believe that there's going to be people like me and you who are a little bit more out of the box entrepreneurial. I would rather go to the best plant based pediatrician in my community. And if that person's private practice, that's even better. I find I get more access, I get more time. Um, I think it's a much different environment. So, I would love to keep that alive. And I'm willing to pay for that experience. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to turn into more of a luxury experience. Um, but there's a whole bunch of patients that are really looking for that luxury experience in healthcare. Yeah. And there's just so much mutual gratification, though. I
0: mean, I worked at a community health center before I started my own practice. So I've seen both sides of it. And I love owning my own practice. And I love being able to make decisions quickly and not sit through a committee for six months debating on whether we should make a change or not. I mean, that for my personality type was killing me. <laughs> I was like, so I do. I I think naturally I am one of those people that has that vision. I have the boldness to be able to do it. Um, but I know that it is becoming harder. And I was told many times it's suicide. It's financial suicide to start your own practice. So I felt like it was a huge risk to even try it. But thankfully, my husband supported me, and I was willing to take the risk. And thankfully, it worked out well. But do you, that was one of the questions I was going to specifically ask. Are there surveys or any data to show that people? prefer one more than the other? Do people feel like when they're going to a private practice versus a hospital or a managed care practice, do they enjoy that experience better?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, mean, I haven't seen any surveys specifically like that. But um I mean it's I can I can turn this analogy into Nutrition, I would say, you know, even a lot more people go through a drive through in McDonald's mm. than go and eat at your little local, you know, local rice bowl place. Yes. And so I just think it's going to be a, a certain type of consumer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we need to have a variety of types of practices. You can't serve everyone. And you shouldn't mm-hmm. serve everyone. You should be able to really, I, I say the riches are in the niches. And mm-hmm. if you can start getting a, in a really specific niche, you will find your tribe and you will figure out how to serve them. And you mm-hmm. will serve them t- to the utmost degree. And there are people praying and looking for you and wanting you. And um, the unfortunate thing is that we can't have you know we probably won't have a myriad of these types of private practitioners in every community mm-hmm. you're where you are and as a you know pediatrician in private practice it doesn't mean every town is going to have a private pediatrician which is unfortunate because i bet that there's you know a lot that would be served greatly mm-hmm. with that experience
0: Yeah. And nationwide, we have a healthcare professional shortage, especially in places like mine. So there's a, it's a struggle. It's a true struggle. But speaking of healthcare professionals more generally, I know that a lot of healthcare professionals, physicians, nurse practitioners struggle so much to balance their life and I know you said you don't really believe in balance um but also with their career and personal ambitions raising families or their hobbies why do you think that this struggle exists and it probably isn't just for healthcare professionals but all people that are professionals in general but what are some of your ideas of why we struggle so much
1: Yeah we struggle because I mean you you said it earlier so and I'm glad we're getting back to this because I wanted to bring up this mom guilt. Cause I bet you have a lot of moms who are listeners mm-hmm. and, and, and that's, there is no measure of being a good mom or a bad mom. Um, and it's just what you put on yourself. And so you have to really reframe. No one can control your happiness, but you, no one can control your thoughts. You are the thinker of your own thoughts. You make the metrics. I said that if, you know, my kids' socks are matched by someone else other than me, they're not going to know, they're not going to remember that. They're not going to say, my mom was, you know, a, not as good of a mom because I didn't match the socks. I didn't cut up my own butternut squash. I did, you know, take out maybe more times than I wanted to. But even on simple things, sometimes, I mean, just the other day, it was, just going to the prepared bar at uh, Whole Foods and picking up stuff that was, so I had, they made my tofu the other day for me. I didn't make my own, you know, and it's, it's still within my boundaries of what I want and my standard of excellence for my households. But I have someone help me. And I think as professionals, we don't ask for enough help. We think that it's going to be, cheaper or quicker. Um, And sometimes it's really just, it it keeps us safe because it's out of our comfort zone. You know, we think we're going to lose something. We think we're going to lose money or we're going to lose quality if we ask for help and someone else does it. But you have to take those little risks. It's such a small risk sometimes too. You have to take those risks to be able to simplify your life you know, some people will say like, what would Beyonce do? Right. You know, isn't that like a common Mm Instagramable hashtag. And, you know, sometimes I think that, that there is a little bit of a lesson we can learn there because what are highly successful, uh, what are highly successful working parents doing that we're not doing, but it's more than that. It's who do you need to be in order to be successful. So I ask people that, who do you need to be? Do you need to be the type of person that allows help in your life, that asks for help, that seeks out not just mentors, but also people to get the stuff done? I see too many professionals um, whether it is, you know, working moms, entrepreneurial moms, entrepreneurial healthcare providers, and they do one of two things: they either go and they buy a course to teach them how to do something but then they themselves don't have the time to actually implement the stuff that they're learning. So we're mm-hmm. totally course junkies, right? I'm going to raise my hand and be the yeah. first one to admit Wilky. that I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I mean, like, please, I mean, I know all the hacks on all the social media platforms and you know, and it wasn't until one day where I was just like, please come help me um, and actually had someone implement it that I got so much further ahead. Mm-hmm. And um, it, or the second thing is that people way, way, way overspend for a cookie cutter system. Mm -hmm. And I see this happen, especially in healthcare, when it comes to websites and website management, there's a lot of companies that specialize specifically in healthcare websites. And it's like they saw you coming with a medical degree after your name, and they just added a zero or two to it. And I think it's absolutely outrageous and atrocious. And then you're charged and you want to like make one simple sentence change on your website and it's $300 in order Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, Help does not need to look like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be like that. There's plenty of people that would love to help you without it, you know, you needing to take out a small business loan in order to get that help and support. And I, I think that if more parents saw that. I think if more parents, um, you know, not just learned all the things, but actually implemented even small things, Mm -hmm. little small things. And I mean, I think of this, even in the success I've had in my family's health, you know, where it's, we set ourselves up for success on busy mornings, we make overnight oats. That's a success principle that we have that we go to. I consider it kind of an outsourcing hack too, in a way, you know, I did it myself, but I have overnight oats already made in the morning. Um, If I do that, if I, you know, during busier times in my life when I was, let's say when I was traveling, I'm not traveling as much, but I still put on seminars and presentations and there's times where the laundry gets, you know, away from me. Well, I have a great wash, dry, fold service. I call up and I get some of that done. It doesn't have to be that I never do laundry ever again, Um, but even just getting a little bit of help, a little bit of support, which allows me to be able to prioritize my self care and doesn't take away because I shouldn't just have to keep giving up a piece of myself every time that I want to grow, expand and help more people.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, so many thoughts I'm having. But one of them, just looking back on my own journey, is that asking for help is a habit that you have to implement you know because especially if you're not used to doing it it feels really difficult at first and so that first time you ask for help and you're like oh okay that wasn't so bad and actually i feel really good now then you just keep practicing until it becomes more natural to be able to ask for help but i guess the other thing i want to emphasize is identity too you know, you talked a little bit about identity and one of the things that's helped me because i was one of those people that wanted to be this like super mom, do it all. I can do everything. You know, I can work full time and do the laundry and do everything and be fine, which isn't possible. It's just impossible. Right. So I had to accept parts of my identity and be okay with them. And one of them is I don't enjoy cleaning. Okay. Putting it out there. For the world to hear this, I am totally fine with paying somebody to clean my house. And you know, I'll I'll like clean up, but I don't want to clean floors, I don't want to clean the bathroom, I don't want to do that stuff. And being okay with that, it doesn't make me feel ashamed anymore. (laughs) Like, because I'm Panamanian, you know, Latin American background. Like my mom and my grandmother, they will like rub their hands raw cleaning. Okay. So I was raised to be like, you have to be a clean freak. And so finally accepting that I'm okay with not having to be the cleaner was a big deal. And the other thing when it comes to kids is I really used to feel very guilty about not being a crafty mom you know, you see these moms and they post these things they did with their kids, like, look what we did. We made this thing and it's so beautiful. And I was never into that. Like, I do not want to sit down and cut things out and paste them on things, you know? And so finally I was like, you know what? I'm not a craft mom, but I do this and this and this with my kids and they don't seem to mind. <laughs> so, you know, I think we we there's this weird identity stuff that we put on ourselves and then just actually tuning in. Tuning into how we're feeling and how life is going and just our well-being whenever we start admitting these things about ourselves and not trying to do everything and be everything for everyone, because that's not what we're on earth to be, you know? So man, so many, so much goodness coming the out of
1: it. The riches are in the niches in so mm-hmm. many different ways. I mean, even if it's not, we're not even talking about business, but you said, like, you know, you're not a craft mom. Why put effort into a niche that you're not in? you know yeah. maybe you're the baking mom or you're the athletic mom or you're i'm i'm not an outdoorsy mom like you will not find me we walk on pavement i do not walk in the woods i'm <laughs> my friend was telling me no you just get like a bear whistle and like you just tell people what trail you're going on I'm like i'm not going anywhere that i need a bear whistle all right in order to go there <laughs> i love I'm it a city girl <laughs> you are the pavement walker
0: <laughs> yes. i love that Okay. Well, what advice, and you may have said already said a bunch of great things um, previously, but any more advice you have for working moms and um, especially if they're just starting out, like maybe they already have their career and now they're going to have their first child. What do you wish you knew before you started?
1: Before I started that, that, you know, that was like one of the hardest transitions and, you know, and, there also was a really hard time where I didn't know when I was done because when you're an employee and let's say now you're going to something where you are being a little bit more flexible and how many of us are working from home, even as employees. Mm-hmm. And you know, so those lines get blurred between work and home. And I, at the beginning, never knew when I was done. And I felt like I just worked All until I couldn't work anymore and I don't do that anymore. I uh, The night before, I don't have a morning routine because I still have so many kids that come into my bed in the middle of the night or stay in bed with me all night or need me first thing in the morning. You get it. There's There's diapers and God only knows what other bodily fluids are sometimes on sheets and things you need to clean up. So my morning was never that magical miracle morning where I was all by myself. But I do have a magical miracle bedtime routine. I set my schedule the night before, check in with my husband, Dan, and just say, oh, what are we doing um, tomorrow? What do we have lined up for the week? Well, I know what I'm eating. I know what we're doing. I know where we're going to be. And I write down the three do or die things. And that's it. Sometimes I get my three things done before 10 a.m., And then everything else is gravy. And then it's great because at the end of the day, I literally can shut off and close down. Um, Or if I do feel inspired and I want to, you know, binge on that course or, you know, make a couple extra social media posts or whatever it is, it's just... But it's having, uh, you know, three non-negotiable things and not things like I need to make a return at the mall. Like these are the three things that are going to get you further in your business, further in your career, um, further in making a difference in the world that are going to take you 30 minutes or less. That's all it really takes. It really only takes, you know, about 90 minutes of dedicated work every single day. Then you have all the other things that come in, the phone calls, the to do's, the, you know, daily activities. But if you can just do those three things that move you forward, and I wish I started that earlier as a mom, because then I just, I put way too many things on my to do list. I put Mm -hmm. way too many ambitions and I didn't get any of them accomplished.
0: Yeah. And it's so overwhelming. Like you never feel you don't get that dopamine hit of like okay I finished something because it's just so much and so long and it never ends and your brain's always mm-hmm. running. So that's such a great tip is just write down three things you can do 30 minutes or less each that you want to get done before the end of the day if you can plan those out the night before, then you can, you know, know from the beginning of the day, those things, and then you can be done. You can consider yourself successful for the day. That self-efficacy also keeps you going. So I love that. That's great.
1: What part of your work are you most passionate about? I love the breaking through barriers with people. I love um, my, I guess my skill as a child was fighting with people. My, my dad, if you talk to him, he's going to say, Oh, she was always really combative, but uh, I always ask why I always challenge. And I've, you know, learned how to put that into a coaching practice in a, a non-combative way, but in a way that says, why are you doing it that way? And, and, you know, being able to be the mirror for people to say, look at, and look at what you're doing. And let's map out a different plan and just holding space for people, which Mm -hmm. takes a lot. But um, I hold such space for my clients. I hold such space for the people in my community Um, and just see such a bigger vision for them that I'm always, you know, willing to be able to roll up my sleeves, um, task my team with a lot of those goals to be able to see it to fruition. Um, So great. Sounds so fun! It sounds like you're
0: so good at it too. I love that you have that passion.
1: What do you wish more moms knew? I wish moms knew that they know more than they think they know, mm. and to trust their intuition. Um, that's one thing I really do. I, I, and I wish I knew that. You know, in the first couple months of being a mom, and to not felt feel like I mean, you you really think about it, it's funny because. We just have all that innate knowledge in us that we forget to tap into. And so, I mean, the hours I spent scrolling, you know, social media boards and community boards and, you know, on the what to expect apps or whatever it was. And oh my gosh, like you always think the worst and you hear all these other moms with worst case scenario, right? It's like every rash or bump or hiccup or anything with the um, either pregnancy or the baby. and I think we've got it. We know what we're doing and just tapping into that, the feminine energy, the mom energy is so powerful, such a beautiful thing and being able to come together as a tribe. you know I think one of the things I did do that I was successful at that I see a lot of moms struggling today is I did have a mom tribe and everything mm-hmm. felt so much more normal. And that's so hard today, where you know the libraries are shut down. the uh, community activities aren't there. You're not standing around the pickup line even and and talking to the other parents. You can't even stand close enough to have a conversation with anyone. And it does make it more you feel more isolated. So, if there's a way for you to be able to tap in with your mom friends or make those phone calls. I have some moms that I you know, have standing weekly phone conversations with and it just normalizes yes. a lot of what we're going through.
0: Oh, that's so important. It's so important to have that community. And it's so important to talk to each other about the realness of life, you know, what it's like having two toddlers and another young child, you know, not trying to make it all pretty and perfect on social media, but talking about how you're tired sometimes and how you're sick of changing diapers sometimes, you know, it's, we're all going through that. And so verbalizing it together by the end of the conversation, we all feel better, right? We feel heard. We feel that we've been validated it's so great. And I want to go back to your, you know, that you said you wish moms knew more than they think that they knew. They know more than they think they know. That mom intuition is real. And as a pediatrician, I trust it. There's situations where I'm not sure which direction to go. And I'll t- I'll ask the mom, what do you think? What's your gut telling you? And that is a good piece of information because even with all my years of training, And my experience, sometimes the mom knows something I may not be able to get from the history or the exam and her gut can tell her, yes, there's something really going on or no, maybe we just need to watch it a little bit longer, you know? So I do trust it. It's real. That mom intuition. I know my antenna goes up. Sometimes I'll hear it in the voice or I'll see it in the face. And I'm like, there's something wrong here because mommies know.
1: (laughs) You're such a good doctor
0: all right i want to know about personal habits so what personal habit are you most proud of how did you develop it and how do you maintain
1: it yeah um drinking water Mm. i think that's so that's one thing um wherever i go whatever i do um gotta get in enough water and i notice a difference so i figured out how much water i needed to drink and i have my favorite swell bottle i like my water Not ice, ice cold, but a little on the colder side. I want it the same temperature all day. So I invested (laughs) in that. Um, And for me, what happened was, is I figured out that I needed to drink four of these swells. So I go and find the ugliest, most annoying rubber bands. And I put four of them on my wrist when I get out of this habit. And I don't end the day until they come off my wrist one at a time as I finish a bottle and go onto the bottle. And that for me was such a habit, especially going out. People be like, why do you have all these rubber bands on your wrist? It would remind (laughs) me to go get my water. You know, just a little simple thing that made such a huge difference. Um, I travel with my Swell bottle. It goes with me in the car. It goes everywhere with me. And be surprised, like you have that level of commitment to yourself all day. It reminds me that I'm a healthy person.
0: Yes, And it makes a true difference. If you want to be on top of your game, if you want to be able to use your brain all day, you have to stay hydrated. There's plenty of evidence to show that even a tiny bit of dehydration makes us tired and makes us lose that cognitive edge. So you're just being smart, Sarah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. How can listeners connect with you? You have so many wonderful things to say. And I have several moms who are also professionals that are probably going to want to reach out to you and get some of your help. So where can they find you?
1: Yes. So the best thing is to go to my website, sarah 2 So it's Sarah with an H and I hope you'll link it, Dr. Yami, too. And I'm sure my name will be somewhere in the show notes. Um, but uh, so if you go there and I have on there um, a whole guide on 10 things that you need to do so you can work, you know, just in your practice and not on your practice. But it is a great guide for anyone who's looking to outsource anything. Mm -hmm. And the bonus tip is I actually wrote it for mom providers. So whether Mm -hmm. you're a healthcare provider or not, you're going to get benefit from this. I showed you all my favorite outsourcing websites and wrote the job descriptions for you. So they're all there. You just have to copy and paste and go right there. Um, And I hope that I can free up more people's time so they can serve at their highest level. Beautiful. What an awesome resource. I'm going to have to
0: check that out myself. Okay. This has been so fabulous. I've loved talking to you, but before we say goodbye, please leave my listeners with one call to action. What is one thing that they can do this week to bring more peace and harmony into their lives?
1: Oh, and in fashion of, you know, your book and what you stand for and um, what my dad would say is he would say, this week, I want you to go and just cook up a whole big batch of rice because there's so much you can do with that. And a little bit of planning and preparation is going to make things so much easier. And I'll inspire you to not just batch cook, but get your work done in batches to be able to, you know, rice and beans is the staple of so many people's nutrition. And I hope as you eat that, you'll think of us this week, Sarah and Dr. Yami, you know, Mm -hmm. just rooting for you and supporting you.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And that's perfect because as we speak, my instant pot, I just heard it sing, finished my black beans and my rice cooker, my sweet brown rice that I'm having for lunch today. So. Perfect. Perfect. Sarah, thank you so much. This has been a lovely conversation. I really appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. And I just love seeing how happy you are and how you're able to manage your career and your family and still enjoy yourself and have joy. So thank you so much for your time today. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day.
1: Ah, Thank you. My pleasure.